Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's, it's, it's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into the Sink Truth Podcast. Alongside Mike Evans, I am Mark Schlereth with the Leftovers Podcast. As uh, we kind of go over some of my notes from that Falcons Carolina game that I called in a uh, deluge, a uh, pouring down rainstorm in Carolina. But it actually turned out to be a really good game, man. A really good game, Mike. Well, I, I'm wondering about that because uh, I was tuning in and I got to see some of the shots and it looked like this was a family and friends uh, game. Yeah. Uh, not many yeah. people there. No, no, no. I think they announced like 15,000. Um, but in the stands, there might have been seven to eight mm. I think in the concourse. I think some people were up in the concourse. Like, look at. Like just right here. So yeah, it was, I mean, it was sopping wet. Um, but you know, it was my kind of football. That's my kind yeah. of football game. Just filthy, nasty. I wish it was grass. You know, a couple of years ago, Carolina put in turf field and I wish it was grass. Cause it would have been, you'd have puddled up and there'd have been guys, you know, getting up from the ground with grass and garbage <laughs> all over me, like a big hunk of sod in there. Yeah. So I wish it would have been that way. It wasn't, but I, I'm telling you what, um, what a what a tremendous, tremendous job um, by the Carolina Panthers who came into that game at um, one and twelve. And you know, I really enjoyed Chris Tabor's taking over as the, the the interim head coach. He's a special teams coach, and you know, mentioned in the broadcast, one of the things about special teams coaches is they touch every player on the roster. You know, they're in relationship with every player on the roster because every player has some responsibility in that regard. And like, I love his just realism. And one of the things he said to us in the meeting was, listen, man, I told all these guys, December's the dash for cash. And he goes, I'm getting an opportunity. You know, will I be here after four games? Who knows? Or six games? Who knows? Um, well, have you be here after 16? I don't know. You know, I, I don't. And he goes, but the bottom line is whoever evaluates you, whether it's me and the next coach, the coaches here, whether it's another organization, they're going to be looking at these games that don't mean any anything and see how you play. How do you play when there's nothing to play for? How do you play when there's nothing on the line? This is how you can get paid in this league. You go out, you're one in 12, you're not supposed to win anything, 
It's a rainstorm. There's nobody in the stands. It's filthy. It's nasty. It's miserable. It's windy. How do you play? Boy, and his team came out, and his team, like, are they the sharpest team? Nope. But, boy, they played pretty well. And I will say this. It's really interesting because I think there's um, a real feeling in that organization that Bryce Young has all the intangibles. But I think when you watch Bryce Young on film, you would say, yeah, but the tangibles are questionable. Right? The things that I can see. And, you know, his ability to throw the ball on time, on target, with velocity, with confidence, just letting it rip. How often does that happen? Not very often. His ability to get from the front side of a progression to the back side of a progression. How often and, and be accurate on that backside? How often does that happen? Not very often. So there are a lot of question marks. Uh, two weeks ago, they tried to take the ball deep on a bunch of play pass stuff. He threw it over the heads of the receivers about eight times. And not only did he not give the receiver a chance to catch the ball, but he didn't give the receiver a chance to draw a pass interference. Like two things that are positive that can happen on a play like that. So it's little things that you look at from the quarterback position and say, hey, man, you gotta be, you got to be better. But I will say this, last drive of the game, he stepped up and made some throws that I haven't seen him make all season long. And you almost could see his confidence grow a little bit in that crunch time moment. And so if you, if, if you put me to the test right now and said, do you think Bryce Young, you know, is going to become um, a franchise type quarterback? Um, if I, if I had a wager on, I'd say, no, I would say, no, doesn't mean I'm right. I could be wrong. But there's enough, there's enough question marks in my mind just about your ability to really stand in there and drive the football, your ability to really, you know, to really you know, play with some confidence and some you know, swagger and command, you know, have a commanding presence. So there's some things to me that I just haven't seen. Now, with that said, hey, listen, they're not great up front. They don't really have a bunch of receivers that can separate one-on-one. They don't have a matchup tight end who's a huge difference maker. I think they got a couple of really good backs in Chuba Hubbard and Miles Sanders. But I think there's enough, quote-unquote, issues. And then the other thing is uh, about him, like these are all things that would say, hey, man, they haven't done him any favors. The other thing is, okay, so your weapons are, you know, they – like. Mm-hmm you don't have a a separation, like a guy that just truly separates himself. Okay. So there's that. Um, But the other thing that, that hasn't helped him at all is, you know, at one minute, Thomas Brown is calling your plays and then Frank Reich, you know, takes over or or Frank Reich starts and then Thomas Brown takes over and then Frank Reich takes it back over and then they fire Frank Reich. And then Thomas Brown takes over the play calling. Like there has not been any consistent, any consistency from a play calling standpoint and you know you're listening to a lot of different players or a lot of different coaches and this was one of the things that that I always said was a struggle for my son in professional baseball is that you've got a pitching coach you got a bullpen coach you got you know you've got your other pitchers then you've got um 
a, a roving pitching coordinator. You got a, mm-hmm. you know, you've got roving pitching coaches. <laughs> yeah. Like, and next thing you know, you got seven guys in your ears. Yeah. It's like, it's like when you play golf and you're like, okay, I want to stay back. Yeah. I want to keep my head down. I want to, I want to, I want to cock my wrist and I want to, and the next thing you're, ah, you're all over the place. <laughs> right. Like, I think that was also an issue. Too many voices in a young player's head. Um, and so, like, I certainly still have a lot of question marks about Bryce, um, but he certainly understands kind of where he's at. Um, he's a very mature young man, and and I will give him a lot of credit on the intangible stuff. He's got the makings of, of somebody who could become a really good player on the on the intangible aspect. I just need to see more from the tangible stuff. So as you as you've studied for this game and prepped for this game and then called the game, your message to Panther fans would be be what in terms of um you know, how hopeless does it look right now? I mean, it feels hopeless, but do you right. see some parts of this football team that there are some nice some nice pieces in place, some nice building blocks? Yeah, well, I think one of the things is they have they have condensed offensively. So um, Chris Tabor has done a good job of going, okay, how are we going to support our young quarterback? How are we going to get him to play his best football? Uh, even though some of those tangible things I said that I said are, are, are not necessarily there. So they've gotten big. They've condensed. They've run the heck out of the ball the last couple of weeks. They've leaned on Chuba Hubbard. They've leaned on Miles Sanders. They've leaned on multiple tight end formations. Um, like they have condensed, they have gotten big. They have done those things. They have gotten under center where they were hardly under center at all. They've moved under center, which helps their play action game, helps their boot keep game, helps all those things changing the launch point of the quarterback, getting them outside. So they've done some things offensively to help their young quarterback perform at a higher level. So I think that's a positive, right? And they played better last week. They had 200-plus yards of rushing. This week, they did a pretty good job against a really good Atlanta Falcons defense of, um, of staying true to kind of their formula and who they are. Now, with that said, Mike, I'm going to tell you right now, Derek Brown, who only has one sack on the season, I think it was week one, Derek Brown is a full-grown-ass man who changes the tenor of a game. That dude – tosses i saw him take zach martin and toss him i mean literally zach martin is a multiple time you know he's going to be a hall of famer multiple time pro bowler Derek brown grabbed him and just freaking slung him <laughs> it was unbelievable uh nick thurman played really well up front on line of scrimmage um frankie luvu is a really good player at the middle linebacker position um Yitor Grossmatos played a really good game. They've got in their back end, J.C. Horn is a good young player. Mm-hmm. Dante Jackson is a good player for six, you know, been there for six years. Xavier Woods, they've got some really good players on the defensive side of the ball. Defensively, um, our old buddy, uh, Ajiro Ivaro has done a great job with that defense. He's really, he, he's really got them performing at a very high level. And although they've given up in the scoring opportunity, they're 31st in scoring, they've given up 26.2 points per game. Um, And their red zone isn't great, but they're put in a lot of tough situations. Um, Their yards per game is really good. Like they've got some really, they've got some really good 
categorically a really good defense. So, um, and and they're playing. They're playing. Like one thing I will say about this Carolina team, and this is a a, a plus, and they're playing hard. Mm-hmm. They, they are playing hard. So, um, and and that that was that was like that's how you win an ugly game. You know, you hold it tight till the fourth quarter. You find a way to create a turnover late in the fourth quarter. You drive it 95 yards or 94 yards or whatever it was. And, um, and you, you manage the clock perfectly. And so another thing about special teams coaches, right? They're really good about understanding situations. Uh, Chris Tabor called a timeout right before the end of the first quarter, like with, I don't know what it was, 22 seconds left or something so that he could kick with the wind, mm-hmm. like little stuff, like yeah. you, little stuff like that, you know, that you're like, oh, okay, that's like, that's a smart play. Um, yeah. He managed it perfectly where they got it right down with like a minute and 40 seconds left right down to the one yard line. Then they took three knees, ate up the clock, ate up Atlanta's timeouts, kicked a field goal with three seconds left or something and won the football game. Um, like smart stuff that you're thinking about. Okay, for Atlanta, we've been joking about this division all year long yeah. as being, hey, you know, uh, seven and ten, eight and nine might might win this division, and there's always been that feeling that, yeah, hey, you're not playing well, you lost this game, but nobody's going to run away with this division. But for the Falcons, it's starting to get late early around here. It's they're yeah. starting to <laughs> run out of weeks, and mm. at some point they need to make a statement that they're going to go out and grab this division. And yesterday was a chance to do that. And they, they flopped. They certainly did. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because like they're, they've got, I'll just be honest with you. They got too many weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Listen, Drake London, outstanding player, Janu Smith, outstanding player. Um, Kyle Pitts, you know, is an unbelievable talent. Um, You're talking about, Tyler Algier, Bijan Robinson, Cordero Patterson. They have got so much talent, and they've got a good, solid offensive line, although they had some injuries. Um, but Jake Matthews came back and played. Lindstrom was out. Caleb McGarry was out. So they had some injuries, but everybody's got injuries at this point. Um, you know, I mean, the Carolina Panthers, they've had, I think, six starting right guards and five starting left guards, Mike. So I, I don't want to hear about your – two or three injuries. Bottom line is Des Des Ritter makes a critical mistake every, at least one or two critical mistakes a game that costs this football team games. And you can sit there and tell me we're close and you can sit there and tell me, you know, we're physical and we're going to run the ball and we're going to do all this stuff. Um, Your quarterback makes too many critical errors. And I will say this about Des, man. Front side, when he gets a front side read and outside the numbers, man, he can rip the ball. He, he like he's he can put it on the money. When he has to get off the front side to the back side, falls apart. Like when he has to go through a pure progression, he, he loses he loses his ability to see the field. He 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 loses his ability to keep his feet underneath him. He loses accuracy. Um it's just not it's not good enough. It's just not good enough. And that's that's where they find themselves. A ton of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and you know, and they played they played great right up until the last drive of the game. 
and then they can't get off the football field. But again, when your quarterback puts you in harm's way and they had two turnovers, Bijan Robinson fumbled one, um, you know, and, and late in the game, uh, their quarterback in the red zone, Des Ritter threw an interception, like, like those critical errors, and this is the, this is who the Atlanta Falcons have been. They have made critical errors at the worst possible times, and that's what has cost them game. They literally should be a nine or ten win team. They should. They should be a nine win or ten win team, and um, and they're not. And it's because of their inability to play clean in critical moments. So we're we're talking about here two teams with young quarterbacks and in in both instances you said if you had to say today if these guys are going to turn out to be franchise quarterbacks you'd say no so correct what do you what do you do then as a as a franchise do you do you just suck it up and acknowledge that and just rip that rip that band-aid off or do you just hope that these guys can figure it out, even if your gut tells you, even if history tells you that if you can't go from front side to backside and you're not reading defenses at, at this point, it's probably never going to happen. What do you do? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that, um, that obviously you're going to give Bryce Young a lot more time um, because he's a first overall pick. But how much more time are you going to give Dez? He's already been benched once this season. And a super nice guy. I mean, you know, and and tries hard and works hard and studies and prepares and does all those things, um, but hasn't been able to make that translate. And, you know, and, and he knows the critical moment situations that, that have cost him. And so I, at some point, you know, we did this last week and I said, Hey man, I, I just, I just think my gut tells me that Chicago, like the Chicago bears who have got a plethora of draft picks, um, big time, like big time draft picks based on the trade they made with Carolina last year. Like, do you want to pay Justin Fields? What? 150 million bucks, whatever it is, like a, a Daniel Jones type of contract. Or would you rather draft um, – what's the guy's name out of USC? Uh, Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams. Right. Drake May. Drake you May. One of those guys. Um, and, you know, keep your quarterback salary down for another three years as you build your football team. You're going to have to sign uh, DJ Moore. You're going to have to sign a couple of guys on the defensive side of the ball. You did already with Montez Sweat. Um, does that give you a better chance to kind of build your roster before you have to pay uh, Caleb Williams? And like my gut would tell me, and I don't have any inside information, but I told you this last week, my gut would tell me that they're going to move on from, from Justin Fields. And if that's the case and you put Justin Fields in Atlanta's offense with the weapons they have and their ability to run the ball, like do I think all of a sudden Atlanta – would be winning these football games they're losing? Yes, I do. But and you so, still have that issue, though, of these young quarterbacks, and can they show the ability to read the football field, go front side to back yeah. side? If, if Fields hasn't done it to this point, based on no, what but, you've – but the, the, but the difference is, is 
hey, Fields, go one to two on the front side, and if it's not open, go make something happen. Right. Like, hey, listen, the Seattle Seahawks won a Super Bowl doing that with Russ Wilson. So, yeah, yeah, right. So, I mean, I think that's – I think, like, there's a difference – between the athleticism and the size and just the strength of Justin Fields versus Bryce Young or, or, you know, or uh, Des Ritter. So, um, again, I have no idea, but that's why this is fun, right? We get to speculate on these things. So you, you're going to be doing Atlanta again this week, correct? Yeah. And so when you talk to Arthur Smith, what, what would be your, your, understanding your prediction of what that conversation's uh, all about. Do you think he stays with Desmond Ritter next week, or do you see any kind of a, a, a change with this season starting to slip away a little bit? I could see him going back to Heineke. Mm-hmm. I could. Uh, I don't, I don't like, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. I really don't. Um, but, you know, we've had some, some fairly candid conversations and, um, I would consider, you know, Arthur a friend. Um, but, yeah, you, I mean, you can see the frustration. You can see the frustration. Um, you know, you can see the frustration in Dez. Like, man, I, I, you know, there's there's a real, gosh, there's a real fine line, a razor's edge, if you will, between, you know, playing dangerously, like playing dangerously cautious and dangerously aggressive Mm -hmm. and you can't be so cautious that you're afraid to ever make a mistake. But I think you can, I think there are mistakes that can be overcome in, in the course of a game, but not in the critical moments, Mike, not in the last, you know, four minutes of the first half, not in the last four minutes of the fourth quarter. Like, you got to play clean and disciplined and and detailed, especially in those in those times. And that's just they they just haven't been able to do that during those times. And that's what's cost the Atlanta Falcons. And like I said, man, I think the Atlanta Falcons should probably have nine or ten wins right now. And because of you know the games they've shot themselves in the foot. Um, Minnesota, they've shot themselves in the foot against, you know, against Arizona. Uh, last week, they should have won the game against Tampa, lost that one. You know, I say woulda, shoulda, coulda, you know, yeah. I mean, they, they gave up the play, but they, they drove down with two minutes left and scored a touchdown or whatever it was. And, you know, and Tampa drove right back down the field to score. Yet you can look at all these, all these different scenarios, uh, Certainly, I mean, you scored seven points against Carolina, who's one and twelve in the first half. Third quarter, I think you had like five plays in the third quarter. Like I think you had a three and out, and then I think you had a two play and fumble, like five plays against the Carolina Panthers in the third quarter. Like those are the kind of things that cost you football games. Yep. Yep. Anyhow, all right. Well, uh, we'll we'll see what happens. You'll be on the Atlanta beat again this week. I, I will. I'm, I'm looking real. I'm really looking forward to these meetings because I think Atlanta will be upbeat and cheery. I really have this positive feeling that Arthur is not going to be cranky. I just no. Think he's gonna be, Why? Why would he be? I think he's going to be. Like, it's I'm the holiday season. In, it's like, the holiday I'm season. Walk in the facility, and he's going to say, 
man, it's good to see you. Last time I saw you, we were getting our ass kicked by the Carolina Panthers. So, man, it's good to see you. My lucky charm. Yeah, it could be a, could be a little dicey this weekend. Dicey, Mike. Oh, no, not you again. Yes. Hey, for everybody, I should be going back down to Carolina this weekend. They'd be happy to see me down there. Hey, for everybody involved in the Stink Truth Podcast, the Leftovers Edition, for all you folks in Atlanta, all you folks in Carolina, we thank you so much uh, for watching the program. Really appreciate you, and uh, make sure you subscribe. Hit the subscribe button, and, um, and we will talk to you later on in the week. Thank you so much, guys.